My name is Christina, and thank you for checking in to the Home for Wayward OCs. This is a podcast where a guest and I talk about our original characters, the good, the bad, and the self-inserts. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, hi. Um, my name is Bobby Fisher, and my pronouns are he, him, and I am a bi uh, writer and creator. Excellent, excellent. Love to hear it, love to hear it. Uh, and Bobby, who are we going to be talking about today? I suppose it's kind of like a like a team uh, that we're going to be talking <laughs> about today. And that is uh, a Sentai group that uh, I came up with called the Wild Spark Champions. Excellent. As, as listeners of Wayward will know, on this podcast we love a Sentai. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess the question here is, would you rather start with um, the with the wild spark champions like history in universe or kind of how you came up with them as a team, as a concept, as a story. Yeah. Um, I think the latter. Okay. So go for it. Yeah. It stemmed from coming up with these characters and creating for them. I'm actually almost like most of the way through an issue one script for them Mm -hmm. coming up with these characters kind of stemmed from some of my, I guess like frustrations as a fan with like the first or not the first, but the uh, 2017 power Rangers movie. I think it was. Mm -hmm. That's when it came out. Yeah. Uh, Just because there were, there were things about that movie that, that I really dug, but I think uh, it's, a movie where they tried to kind of like play to two very different audiences, like both mm-hmm. older fans and newer fans. And there, there were some clashes yeah. there I, and, Oh, sorry. Go th- ahead. No, thinking about it from my perspective, I feel like the clash would be the people who wanted to see an ironic superhero movie in the vein of like Iron Man. And the people yeah. who were here to see some gosh darn color-coded superheroes fighting a bunch of monsters made out of mud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there were things I loved about the 2017 Power Rangers movie, but the one of my biggest problems with it is it kind of played to this creative trope of, like, Zordon and Rita, like, not only having this past, but Rita being this, like, you know, having been the Green Ranger in that movie, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, And it's something I think you kind of, like, started to see a lot of after the Michael Bay Transformers movies and, like, the history that Optimus Prime and Megatron have in kind of that particular universe. It's like, well, we have to tie these kind of characters together. And Mm -hmm. Rita was, again, kind of put in that position. And it was something that was, I just, it's like there are things I would have done different about that movie. And so I kind of, like, Mm -hmm. sat down and kind of just put, like my thoughts down, like, okay, you know, what, what would I have done different? And Mm -hmm. as that kind of, as I kind of started ruminating on that, you know, I kind of started thinking about like my own idea for kind of a Sentai team. And Mm -hmm. the first one that kind of like formed in my head was Billy, the leader and the white ranger of the group. And this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, owl-themed 
um, Power Ranger and just this idea of like, you know, she's not just like the White Ranger. Like that's not just her color. It would be like a pearlescent, you know, and that struck me as as really kind of like cool. And as I, as I'm just kind of like thinking about this and as this characters kind of forming in my head, you know, I started looking at, Mm -hmm. you know, just like, uh, different Sentai projects. And there was this comic that I, that I had read this very short comic. Um, and I'm going to try to pull it up right now, but, uh, it was basically a Sentai comic that was about like a Sentai team in a zombie apocalypse setting. Right. Okay. Okay. And it's like, that That was really cool. And as I'm reading that, I'm kind of like, you know, what would it be like to be, you know, a Sentai character when you don't kind of have like full access to, to your powers, right? Like, what would that, what would that be like kind of having just like these pieces and remnants of whatever like armor or you know, weapons or whatever that you have, what would that kind of look like? And so as I'm thinking about that and I'm looking at things and I'm looking at different like super Sentai costumes and everything. Uh, yeah, it was mm-hmm. called uh, Die, Die, Danger Ronin. Um, David Peepos <laughs> on Twitter uh, is the uh, writer of that book. And it was, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I started looking at like, the particular Sentai that the original Mighty Morphin White Ranger is from that didn't actually make it to the States. Yeah. Uh, And as I'm looking at that and I'm seeing like his outfit and kind of like looking at it, like the black against the white, just kind of like as this like little crop top piece of of, like chest armor is just like, that would be cool as like a, like a vest or something, you know, like denim. And maybe instead of like, you know, like, just like the gold kind of outline and piping that that has like, you know, like having like shoulder spikes, right? Like this kind of like punk look. And it just kind of evolved from there. And I just kind of started formulating this whole idea of this Sentai team that, you know, for reasons they don't have access to kind of like the full gamut of just like magical Sentai powers, you know, they, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. they're kind of forced to make do and, you know, they're not always going to walk away, you know, successful or victorious. And I kind mm-hmm. of wanted to do mm-hmm. something with that. And, you know, just with um, the world being what it is and everything, um, you know, it just kind of like sprang to life. This kind of like underground, like freedom fighting, you know, kind of Power Ranger Sentai group. Yeah. It's, it's the, Kind kind of tying back into what you had been talking about about the um, like how they don't have access to their full to their full capabilities as uh, Sentai in this case like it's tying back into the theme that I'm already kind of picking up on (laughs) of like what do you like what do you do like do you still have the same responsibilities even if you don't have all of your normal capabilities that I'm going to say conferred these responsibilities on you in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, how do you, you know, it's also kind of like getting creative with solutions, right? You know, like 
Uh, I mentioned when before we kind of started recording that part of this was also kind of inspired by one of my favorite movies, the the Super Mario Brothers movie, right? Oh. And, <laughs> and you know that one of the things I love about that movie is like Mario and Luigi are very much just just regular guys. guys, and yeah, <laughs> and you know they're forced to kind of rely on just kind of their background and upbringing and the, you know, what they're good at to try to like fix problems with, you know, that arise in the movie. And I think one of the best examples of that is them like shutting the heating system off, like in uh, the Koopa tower, right. And Mm -hmm. freezing the pipes and everything. And it's like, it's so like, Mm -hmm creative and outside the box. Cause it's like, you would think this would just be like, you know, an action movie fighting and all that kind of stuff. But really like super Mario brothers, the movie is this kind of like diesel punk, like street level kind of, kind of movie. And that's what I really dig about it. And so that's kind of where some of that stemmed from too, is it's like, you know, mm-hmm. this is going to kind of force these characters to be creative and find different solutions. And maybe some of these decisions are going to be harder decisions than, you know, you would find like in your standard, like Sentai uh, show or book, you know? Yeah. And I, at least speaking personally, I find it much more compelling when in, when like the heroes have to, when they can't just, you know, use to, to use pokemon for an example like yeah like how do you how do you defeat the how do you defeat dialga if you don't have any fire types ice types or fairy types on your pokemon team well you have to <laughs> yeah adapt and improvise and do the best that you can with what you have <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and it's like that i grew up with sentai i love power rangers i you know, it, it's mm-hmm. one of the Thank things you for that's just the distinction. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the things that I'm just like super into, and I mean, especially Mighty Morphin. I mean, that was like my my thing growing up, you know. And obviously, that was a big thing for a lot of kids. And you know, like fun as it is, great as it is, cheesy as it is, like let's face it, most episodes, you know the Megazord is a win button, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, okay, we're wrapping this up, hitting the button, the episode's over, good guys win. And it's like, you know, what would really happen in these kind of situations where it's like, you don't have a win button, you don't have, you know, those Mm -hmm. tools, how are you going to try to walk away either successful or, you know, in kind of like a Star Trek Kobayashi Maru situation, like, how are you going to handle this defeat with like, mm-hmm. you know, walking away with like the, you know, less amount of casualties or whatever that you can. Um, it sounds then like this is a good point for us to start talking about. So how did they get into this situation? Scratch. <laughs> so that actually took a lot of time to kind of figure out how they would mm-hmm. get in this situation. And once I kind of settled on like, the Super Mario Brothers movie kind of being an influence, I started thinking of, like, transplanting them and putting them in this alternate dimension. And Mm -hmm. the idea of this alternate dimension would be 
it's an entire dimension essentially populated by, you know, tokusatsu monsters, sentai monsters. Mm-hmm. What I've tried to explain to anybody I've talked about this project with is it's like, not all the monsters are bad guys. You know, you might have like a, like a pizza themed monster that maybe, yeah, he just, you know, runs a pizza cart. He's not a bad guy or anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. um, pudgy pig just running like a barbecue pit. Mm-hmm. So the idea kind of became that. Sorry, go ahead. It just occurred to me that there probably could be a lot of discussion to be had about the difference with Sentai between like be- between like Sentai and Power Rangers with how they handle the rubber suit monsters because like I can only think of a couple of instances off the top of my head in Power Rangers where the rubber suit monster creature not monster um <laughs> has it is not specifically antagonistic towards the power rangers and only a few few instances in which they don't get exploded by the megazord at the end of the yeah. episode whereas it sounds like in the source sentai a lot of the times they are not necessarily antagonists and perhaps they survive more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Sentai, like the actual Japanese Sentai gets because of the cultural differences and everything. Like there's so much, there's so many different things that they, that they do in Sentai. That's so much more like, I would say heavier than what we see like in American mm-hmm. Power Rangers. And I think heavier the, tonally or heavier handed. <laughs> yeah. Tonally. Like, I think of, I think back to, like, the Sentai that Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comes from, and, like, how Rita's character is essentially this mother who's mourning a loss, right? So, like, that's, that's not something you really see, like, in American Sentai, really. Like, you don't see that in Power Rangers. You don't see that in... You know, any, any mm-hmm. I think you might come across that now, like with the stuff that they're doing with the comics. The comics have been really mm-hmm. spectacular since Boom got the license. I, f- I feel like also more recent seasons of Power Rangers have been touching on heavier topics. But yeah, going back to the beginning, Haim Saban is a coward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can't we can't even let our characters kiss. So like. Mm-hmm. I mean, some mm-hmm. of the heaviest stuff that you see in, like, the original Mighty Morphin is kind of Tommy's struggle with his duality. And then I think for a really long mm-hmm. time, you kind of don't come across anything really all that heavy until maybe Time Force. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm sorry, I got us off track. We were talking <laughs> no. about um, the... We were talking about, I think the tonal heaviness of Sentai and mm-hmm. perhaps how that translates to the wild spark champions. Yeah. And, and that's kind of like, you know, getting back to your original question, like how did they wind up in this situation? Like the, mm-hmm. the whole story is like you flash back to like prehistoric. Yeah. Dinosaur populated earth. And it's being guarded by this original group of wild spark champions. Um, you know, extraterrestrials who mm-hmm. are here to kind of look out for the planet while it's developing. And uh, this, you know, bad guy, this, uh, you know, antagonist 
is has been getting the better of them for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And as kind of like a last ditch effort, the leader of that group, and this is where we kind of get some stuff that is like parallel to the 2017 movie. The, the leader of that group, you know, makes the decision to basically bring down a, you know, an asteroid that causes this cataclysmic event. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he, they, uh, the leader sacrifices everybody. Like nobody was dead yet or anything, but like they, you know, made this decision because this was, you know, this was kind of like their last resort. And, you know, this, this character, this leader of the champions, you know, winds up stuck, like, you know, kind of trapped or stored like on their ship's computer. Again, this is all sounding very familiar to Power Rangers fans. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, part of, I think, what I want to do with this story is like, yeah, he introduces our, our characters to these powers, you know, when they kind of get um, teleported to this alternate dimension and everything, but it's like, they're also kind of keeping this big gigantic secret from them. Mm -hmm. Like you're here because guess what? We failed and we didn't just fail, you know, I made this incredibly tough choice and sacrificed my entire team to prevent something worse from happening. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. how do you thrust that on like a bunch of teenagers who you're asking to save the world? How do you kind of like deal with this very heavy secret that you're keeping from them? Because maybe you're concerned, like maybe they might have to make that same kind of choice, you know? Uh, but that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of the goal to create some like tension kind of between those characters is, you know, they're keeping this kind of secret and it, you know, it's a, it's a doozy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. <laughs> so since you've just said that they specifically are trying to keep this secret, I have to imagine the secret come out. <laughs> yeah, the secret will eventually kind of be revealed. It's going to be okay, kind of like... okay. Yeah. And the whole time, like, I want to kind of build to it and hint at it in, like, the, the whole goal of this would be it to be a comic. And, you know, I kind of want to hint at it and kind of, like, show, like, flourishes and stuff of maybe this is what happened without, like, just revealing the full hand. And then eventually, you know, when the time comes, like, that's going to be outed. And, you know, they're they're transplanted into this other dimension because, mm-hmm. like, yes. you know, these coins um, chose them, right, to be the new champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. this will also sound a little familiar to Digimon fans a little bit as well. Right? Love a Digimon, love a Digimon. Right. Uh, so they're all at summer camp, they're hanging out and there's this big lake at the summer camp. And then, you know, one night as they're kind of all, um, getting ready to go to bed and everything, these coins erupt from this, you know, lake and find them and choose them as these new champions. And before Mm -hmm. they can even, you know, do anything, they're, you know, they just zap, they're gone, they're not in our universe anymore and they're transplanted mm-hmm. to this other dimension and you Interesting. know they d- okay yeah 
I wasn't sure if it was going to be like they got a little bit of time to get their footing, so to speak, with powers before going to the other dimension. (laughs) Yeah, and that's like, it's it's very like fish out of water. I mean, they, they are put into this position. They have no idea where they are. They mm-hmm. don't know what these things they're holding are, these, you know, these coins. And before they can even really kind of, like, find their footing, because they get, like, transplanted to, like, this, like, warehouse kind of in the heart of the city, like this abandoned, mm-hmm. you know, warehouse. And they're looking out the windows and they're seeing all these different, like, these streets filled with, like, tokusatsu monsters and everything. And it's like, where, where are we? And before they can kind of even, like, you know, ruminate on that, they are Mm -hmm. um, transplanted to the, I think I called it the Artemis is the name of the ship. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I would have been like, stop teleporting me. Yeah. (laughs) Without notice. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, And there's, you know, they get teleported to kind of the, you know, what remains of the Artemis, this ship that was sort of the base of the original team. And they're kind of introduced to this, you know, this whole idea of like, hey, you know, you've been chosen to, you know, defend this dimension and everything because something bad is going to happen if this antagonist gets his hand on these coins or if he figures out how to get to your dimension. And Mm -hmm. right away, kind of like in the first issue, you know, one of the characters I have who is just kind of like fighting this whole notion, like, no, I want to go home. I want to go home now. Like, this isn't some video game. I'm not some chosen person. I just want to go home. Mm -hmm. And they can't, you know, they have no way of getting home. And so, yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And and part of it, too, is like, you know, I grew up also reading stuff like Animorphs and everything. And that was like Mm -hmm, my mm -hmm, jam, mm -hmm. you know, like that was one of the biggest things I read for like the longest time. And I think what Animorphs does really well is its characters, you know, being, you know, kids and everything like it's really well grounded. They're very, you know, they feel like real characters and that's one of the yeah and it's one of the strengths of the book and so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know that's kind of part of this too is it's like you you know they're 14 and 15 and you're expecting them to save the world and it's like that's more than any kind of teenager should maybe be put through right Mm mm-hmm and I think one of my favorite moments in the in the first issue script that I'm writing is um, so Billy, who's the leader, you know, they're they've just been told, you know, this is who you have been chosen to be. These are this is what you have. Mm-hmm. And as this is being explained to them, you know, they we kind of cut to some news that's being like projected in the deck of the ship. Uh, and we see like, there's this protest that's going on. That's being like, um, kind of like, you know, it's trying to be shut down and these, um, you know, these protesters are being accosted and arrested and all this other stuff. Right. And mm-hmm. Billy's kind of like mm-hmm. watching all this happen and like, 
it's kind of one of those moments where like she zones out, you know, everything mm-hmm. just kind of like around her people talking. It's like, it just kind of like all becomes like white noise and she's watching this happen. And she's like, you know, this is, this is crazy. I don't even have my learner's permit. And she puts her foot down and she says, we're going to do this. And <laughs> the, the faint sounds of we're not going to take it can be heard in the distance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it, you know, it goes from there. They, you know, Billy kind of as the leader, the person who steps up kind of convinces everybody Mm -hmm. that like we have been chosen. We have this responsibility. We need to do something with it and do what we're being asked to do. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's where a lot of that kind of came from. Yeah. Yeah. And real quick, I want to ask before I forget, um, mm-hmm. since you also have described um, the Wild Spark Champions on Twitter as a punk underground Sentai, and specifically <laughs> are so you specifically just mentioned them like aiding people who are trying to rise up against an unjust leader. I want to ask, um, do they get to work at all with like any of the local people? Because to me, it's it sounds like a good way to uh, to support a revolution for positive change um, is to specifically help the people who are there on the ground already, because yeah. they know what's going on better than you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, that's definitely something I want to explore with the book is like, you know, you have these toku citizens and, you know, obviously, again, like not all of them are like bad or evil or whatever, you know, and what I, what I would like to do is, yeah, like explore, like working with maybe like another group that's trying to do good, you know, how do you, how do you kind of network and make those things happen and, you know, kind of coexist with maybe another group that's trying to accomplish similar goals or the same thing without kind of like overstepping or, or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and like you said, you know, just kind of like learning more about what's going on. Right. And Mm -hmm. understanding Mm -hmm. the, the sort of like society that they find themselves in. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So do they have like a, I'm going to say like a main point of contact or something. I'm thinking of like, I only have experience with power rangers. (laughs) So like how, like, and Mighty Morphin, they had Ernie at the juice bar, who was like yeah. their main civilian non-player character, for <laughs> lack of a better phrase. Yeah, Ernie was kind of almost a Commissioner Gordon, and I love Ernie. Mm-hmm. But um, that I kind of haven't gotten too far on. I haven't kind of reached that part mm-hmm. of where I'm at with writing them. Um, I, it's definitely something I've, I've thought about. It's just kind of getting to that point and figuring out like who that character would be mm-hmm. and fleshing that out. That's okay. It just occurred to me that we've been talking all this time about the wild spark champions as a team, but we only have heard about Billy so far. So I want to hear who the others are and like kind of what their team dynamic is like. Yeah, absolutely. So they, part of the dynamic too was like thinking, you know, Power Rangers especially has this very sort of like 
very kind of narrow character archetypes for the most part in a lot of ways. And it's like, you can tell before, like before, you know, some characters even like do anything like, yeah, okay, this guy, you know, this person's going to be the red ranger. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. so part of my idea was just like, you know, how, like, how would a different dynamic work where like, maybe you have like, you know, the sort of like brain in charge, you know, you're, your Billy character. And that's kind of where Billy's name like <laughs> came from. It was just uh-huh, like, uh-huh. like, like that. It was just like, yeah, I'm just going to change that to an IE and you know, she's who she is. So she's, you know, this brain kind of character. And then some of the other characters, you know, um, you have Ty who is your red Ranger and he, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. his animal is, I believe the grizzly bear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his whole thing is he might be a little bit of a himbo, you know, he's, <laughs> he's athletic. He's the, he's kind of the sports guy on the team for the lack of a better word, but he's definitely, mm-hmm. you know, maybe kind of a himbo to a fault. Like he's going to be that guy who kind of maybe gives everybody the benefit of the doubt, even maybe when they kind of shouldn't or, you know, he's, he's your heavy hitter. He's your barbarian. He's, he's that kind of character, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's com he's really competitive, but in a way that is like, you know, he really believes firmly in like playing fair, um, when it comes mm-hmm. to like being competitive, uh, there is, uh, Jules who is our yellow ranger. His animal is the spotted hyena. And he's the clown of the group. Um, you know, he's a little bit of the bard. He's kind of support. And he was the character who didn't want to be doing any of this. Like, uh, mm-hmm. no, I want off this ride, please. And thank you. And <laughs> I, I really, he's, he's, ext- he's an extroverted character that wears a lot on his sleeve but there's definitely something maybe there where it's like, why, you know, why is this character maybe doing some of the things that they're doing? And, you know, he's definitely somebody who might come from like uh, a background that he's not completely open about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have uh, Kim, who is, she's our other brain in the group. <laughs> uh, this, this is a group with two brains. Um, she, they're going to need it. <laughs> yeah. Her animal is the, uh, the giant squid mm. and she is our blue ranger or champion rather. And she is, she's much better at like little picture stuff. And this is where kind of like the difference between her and Billy kind of sets in is like Billy for being like, you know, kind of a brainy Mm -hmm. character and everything. Mm -hmm. She's definitely capable of seeing the big picture versus Mm -hmm. Kim, who's very like dialed into details. Yes. The micro versus the macro. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then um, the last champion is uh, Ash who is our green champion and her animal is the King Cobra. And she's, she's a very fighty girl. You know, she likes to punch. She likes to kick. She's just like, 
that's who she is. She's got a lot mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. energy and very much is definitely like shoot from the hip first, ask questions, maybe never. Right. <laughs> Uh, she, you know, she's kind of, she's responsible for like this big kind of moment in the first issue where, um, you know, they're, like I mentioned, they're, they get stuck in this warehouse kind of first, right. And they're watching things, you know, on the street, just kind of trying to figure out where, where they are. And Mm -hmm. they see this, you know, there's a Toku citizen down there, you know, just, um, doing their thing and, playing a, you know, just kind of on the street, playing a guitar. And suddenly they're kind of like Mm -hmm. accosted by, you know, the law enforcement of the area. And Kim, you know, sees this and just kind of, or not Kim, Ash kind of sees this and loses her mind and, you know, just Mm -hmm. does something without thinking that would have, if they had not, you know, been teleported right out of there, would have potentially put the whole group at risk. Right? Uh (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So she's she's very, you know, she's very much that kind of character. And for Mm -hmm. Ash, I, you know, I had this idea, like, you know, maybe part of the reason, or at least part of her background is her parents, like, travel a lot. You know, she's going, you know, kind of in different schools, different states, different cities, etc. And so she never really kind of has the opportunity to, like, put roots down there and maybe kind of stop and, you know, see the picture at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so that's kind of where, where that character came from. Okay. Okay. Now, um, I don't know if this is as common in the Sentai, but in Power Rangers, there's usually a sixth. (laughs) You don't have to, you don't have to say who they are, but will there, have you considered a sixth Ranger at some point? I have. Or sixth champion, excuse me. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Um, I it is something I've definitely spent some very sleepless nights mm-hmm. thinking about. Like, what would the sixth champion be like? And obviously, like, I'm going with since we since we have our leader who's this you know mm-hmm. white champion. The um, opposing like sixth champion would be you know black, like the complete absence of of light at all. And you know this whole group kind of came about being animal themed and I'm sorry, animal and dinosaur themed Sentai is the superior kind of Sentai. (laughs) So I've really kind of been thinking about like, okay, you know, this obviously would like be, you know, their color, you know, what would, what would their animal be? And it's something I've kind of like struggled with a little bit. I've thought about things like, you know, like a scorpion or, even animals like you, you almost wouldn't even like think of at all. Like, you know, maybe like a rabbit or something like that. And it's just something where mm-hmm. I haven't really kind of found the thing that fits what this, this champion is going to be mm-hmm. and whether or not, Oh, sorry, go finish ahead. What you're going to say, finish what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, and like whether or not, you know, this six champion is going to, you know, see the light and become like a good guy. I just want to pitch. I think it would be very cool if the sixth ranger was one of the Toku citizens who would then be able to use their powers to like specifically help their people. And so it's not just, you know, 
all these all these plain old boring humans from the, from the <laughs> other dimension it's like no that one we can relate to <laughs> yeah and that's that's i mean that's a really good idea that's something i hadn't even thought of and that's amazing yeah i love that idea you know um kind of again doing something very different that you would never see in something like it like an actual traditional like sentai or power rangers mm-hmm. uh and that's kind of part of this too is it's like how can i kind of take this thing that i love and put my kind of spin on it and mm-hmm. do something with that yeah um real quick i wanted to ask since since this is going to be a comic at some point um, what are some of your favorite plot points that you have kind of like sketched out? If, so, if you prefer not to spoil things, you don't have to spoil <laughs> things. <laughs> really, I kind of touched on it earlier when I was talking about that big secret, um, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of revealing that that's kind of like one of the bigger plot points I'm really kind of excited about to explore. Um, beyond that, I haven't kind of nailed down some of the other kind of like bullet points for what I would do with this. Uh, I definitely want to, you know, explore those themes of these characters being, you know, underground, like freedom fighters. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of figuring out, you know, how do you do that with also something that's, you know, traditionally like monster of the week and, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm doing different things with that and something that's maybe a little bit more like long form than again, like traditional, like what you expect from Sentai or Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I will say there's definitely, um, <laughs> I, I just remembered it. I just thought I just completely re- blanked on it, but I remembered it just mm-hmm. now. Um, there is a, you know, there, uh, there's romantic there. The idea is that there would be romantic tension, between um, Ty and Billy, your red and white ranger. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, like those characters are just kind of like, you ever have like two OCs that you have where it's like these two are destined to be together, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it, there's definitely like some romantic tension there between those two characters and this very kind of like, you know, what, what will come of that? And, you know, how... Mm-hmm how do you handle that kind of relationship again? Like in the midst of all this happening? Yes. It's like, we have to save the world and go on a date. <laughs> right. In the same day. Oh, <laughs> uh, power Rangers is just so great. I love it mm-hmm. when they do episodes like that. It's just fun. It's so sitcom. No <laughs> yeah. It, it's so says no kisses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of part of it too, is it's like, you know, if, if Haim Saban isn't going to give me, you know, romance in my Sentai, by God, I'm going to put some romance in my own Sentai. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, oh, so I wrote down a question earlier before we started. Uh, and I wanted to ask, since you mentioned earlier that the whole plot of the Wild Spark Champions... A narrative is around them supporting and helping to overthrow a specifically fascist uh, leader and their government. I wanted to ask, uh, is 
Sentai and I guess the notion of transforming heroes in general, is this something that you have found to be like an inherently anti-fascist narrative? And if not, how are you making it so? That is an amazing question. And (laughs) you're definitely right. It might start a long conversation. Um, I think it kind of depends on the, on the context of the group. Like Mm -hmm. time force is a really good example, right? Like I love time force. Um, I, crushed really hard on Jen when I was growing up and you know <laughs> understandable. I understandable yeah and I loved that you know that developing romance that tension between her and Wes and these mm-hmm. two very different characters and everything but like what Time Force does really I mean well at least for that that season of Power Rangers is like mm-hmm. those Power Rangers are cops and yes, they are. Yeah. And they're not just cops and they really kind of only very briefly touch on this in time force, but it's like, they're not just cops. They're cops from like this far off future where like, you know, genetic engineering of people is a thing, you know, and it's kind of like designer eugenics. And that's a really like messed up thing. And that's like, who these, mm-hmm. who their monsters of the week characters are, these, you know, these quote unquote mutants, right? Mm. Who. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's like, I, I think it kind of depends on the group because time force as a group, like, except for maybe I, I can think of one episode that's maybe like the exception, like time force really kind of strictly, stood up for these ideals of whatever their future kind of represented. And, you know, again, that's really kind of like messed up when you think about like the broader implications of that and that entire group. It really is. <laughs> you know, like, so how are, I guess, how are you then approaching that within the narrative of the wild spark champions? I'm approaching it in this way where, Yeah, I mean, they they can see things in this dimension that kind of parallel, you know, their own. And they know that this isn't right. You know, they know that mm-hmm. things are messed up the way they're, they are. And they see that they have this opportunity to actually make a difference and, you know, do something about it. And... That's, you know, that's kind of like the impetus for Billy to really drive the group to do something is it's like, we have the opportunity to make a difference here and, you know, at the same time, like, protect our home. We need to be doing that. You know, we need to Mm -hmm. be out there and trying to, you know, uh, free or I'm trying to think of the right word, like liberate these, you know, people and groups who have been, you know, oppressed by this, you know, this government more or less. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah. Um, that's how I'm, I'm approaching it. If that okay. answers your question, okay. I hope it does. I think so. Yeah. 
<clears throat> excuse me. Um, the last ad lib question, by which I mean the last of my questions that I wrote while we were talking, um, <laughs> was that uh, you also have you've like we said earlier, um, you've described the Wild Heart, ch- not Wild Wild Heart, Wild Spark champions as uh, as punks and part of a punk underground society. So I want to ask about music because from from my understanding music has been an extremely important part of a lot of a lot of different types of punk movements mm-hmm. and I like talking about music recommendations <laughs> that I might not be as equipped to answer um, <laughs> I I mean, I, I certainly consider myself like a, like, you know, really into music and everything, but I never really say like got into punk over like one genre necessarily. And some of the punk that I really got into was more like, uh, I mean, I obviously got into stuff like the Sex Pistols and uh, some of that kind of stuff. And those groups anymore have become kind of parodies of themselves. But part of, like, if I had to kind of look at a musical influence. So there there was this uh, musician that I came across in late 2016, early 2017, um, that I hadn't really kind of, like, been exposed to at all before. Um, and that was an artist by the name of Woody Guthrie, who was writing a lot of this music, like, in the... 40s and 50s that you wouldn't expect to hear and you wouldn't expect to like I guess kind of like be from around that time and he was for that time a very kind of punk individual um you know he one of one of his songs um that's really famous is you know tear these fascists down right and excellent excellent <laughs> yeah and his music is is like less like punk because i mean again we're talking somebody from like the 30s and 40s and it's this mm-hmm. kind of like folk like you could definitely see how this may have like influenced somebody maybe like bob dylan or or um some of those artists mm-hmm. of that time and you know just kind of listening to a lot of his music and the fact that he was you know, very vocal, not just against like fascists, but because this was during like World War II. I mean, he was, you know, one of the, he was a very outspoken person that was, Mm -hmm. you know, decrying like Nazi Germany and stuff. And what a lot of people, you know, kind of conveniently forget Mm -hmm. when we talk about that time period is that there were a lot of people in America who not only didn't want to get involved, but were, you know, just like, oh, okay, that's cool. I guess that they're doing that over there. And it's like, no, that's, that's wrong. What? (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And he was one of these people that was very, again, kind of like vocal about that. And that would be kind of really where I guess like my musical taste kind of influenced this a bit, Uh, you know, between that and just kind of like, I guess like regular, um, I guess for the lack of a better word, like emo punk scene kid culture from like hot topic um, kind of growing up a lot around that mm-hmm. and, you know, being into that myself a bit 
and you know just kind of that general aesthetic and that was kind of like the the idea too behind like how the wild spark champions kind of look i wanted to take this kind of idea of like you know being punk isn't about like necessarily what you wear or anything like that it's about you know it's about what you do right and so with that kind of in mind, I didn't just want them to all be like safety pin wearing, you know, denim and leather and frizzy hair and all that. Like, no, these are, these are kids from different backgrounds, different, you know, cultures. And mm-hmm. again, it's, it's about like kind of what you do. And yeah. so, so the whole idea kind of behind like their look was kind of trying to one, evoke a bit of like their kind of animal to some extent beyond just like the actual like helmets that they wear Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is probably the most fun part about sentai but also maybe kind of the most frustrating is trying to design like helmets (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i feel that yeah like like uh kim's squid helmet took a lot to kind of get right like her and ash's um cobra helmet you know having that kind of like the the frill or whatever that it's called that king cobras have you know kind of trying to figure out like the hood i think is what it's called yeah how do you incorporate that into a sentai helmet right mm-hmm. um and so like that's where kind of like a lot of their looks came from like um with Kim, for example, you know, her animal is this giant squid. So she's got, you know, that's kind of what her helmet looks like. But she's also like she's wearing this sort of like jumpsuit, right? You know, this kind of like mechanic jumpsuit because like, again, she's very detail oriented. So, you know, when she's Mm -hmm. in her downtime, she's finding different things to do and pick apart and fix like on on the ship. And so she's wearing this Mm -hmm. kind of like jumpsuit and... Um, she's got it kind of like tied off like around the waist and everything. So you've got like uh, the arms kind of like hanging there, you know, tied in a knot and everything. And I thought that was like a really neat way to kind of like visually evoke something to kind of do with like a squid, you know, kind of like, like just kind Mm -hmm. of like reminiscent of visually kind of reminiscent of like tentacles or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, I kind of tried to focus on like, okay, you know, who are, who are these characters outside of like, you know, being superheroes and like for Mm -hmm. Ty, you know, it's like, he's, he's a jock. He's into baseball. He's, you know, again, like your sports guy. And so like his outfit, for example, like I got him in this sort of like, you know, the bits that aren't covered by like Sentai are it's it's a baseball uniform, right? Mm-hmm. And so they all kind of like find this style and this look. They manage to kind of cobble together things that they, you know, that kind of define them. And that's, uh, I guess, kind of again where some of that influence kind of comes from is just figuring out like who they are and understanding that, like I said, like punk isn't just what you wear it's what you do and how you do it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think that's well put yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome um so i, I 
I know I said that was my last question, but I thought of one more. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's perfectly fine. So, since since Billy and her team are stuck in another dimension, what is the one thing they miss most from home? Ooh, that's really good. I'm going to have to kind of go through this by, like, individuals. So, like, I'm going to start with Jules because I know exactly what he misses from home, and that's his mom. I think mm-hmm. he's a character who's very close to his mother. And he definitely has very strong ties uh, to her. So I think Mm -hmm. he definitely misses her, but he's also kind of like worried about her, you know, what she's thinking about while he's missing. You know, he's worried about what she might be putting herself through like while he's gone. I think for Kim, what she probably misses the most would be being a little bit of the smartest person in the room. She's very much already kind of used to that feeling. And now she's not only in a, in a completely different dimension, but she's also like, you know, there are things here that nobody would know what to do with because it's, you know, this, there's all this alien technology and different, you know, universe technology and everything. And so she's, I think she's mm-hmm. excited at the prospect of learning more about that, but also very much like, you know, kind of like, darn, I'm not like the smartest anymore. And there are people who definitely know, you know, other people around me who know more than me. Uh, the security of having a solid knowledge base. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Ash, I don't think is a character that would miss anything. Because she really hasn't had that kind of opportunity. Uh, I think Ash is excited about doing all this. Like, she's excited about the prospect of, like, oh my god, I get to, you know, beat up bad guys, and that's amazing. I get to fight, and it's okay. (laughs) For kind of, like, the first time in her life, right? So I think she is a character who wouldn't really, like be homesick or have a whole lot to kind of like fall back on to miss. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think she would definitely miss her dad. Uh, Her and her dad are very close. And, you know, you've got the, um, the pixel art that I did like right there. And you see that she's wearing like Mm -hmm. this, uh, this sort of like army flak jacket. And that's something that she got from, you know, from her dad uh, was this, this jacket. And, So she, like, if she misses anything, it's that. But she would have kind of already been prepared to miss that because, you know, she was going to summer camp. You know, she was already kind of prepared for three months without him. Ty, I think, is somebody who is going to be very restless. Yeah. And definitely going to miss like the opportunity to do, you know, competitive things and, you know, kind of like be the center of attention in some respects. Mm -hmm. And I think what's going to be fun about Ty is watching him kind of trying to figure out like, okay, this is, you know, what we're doing. How can I show off still? You know, how can I kind of be a hot shot with this? 
And part of that, too, is definitely, like, I mean, just his kind of natural personality and, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. what he's into as, like, you know, your sports character. But part of it also is, like, okay, how how can I impress Billy, right? Like, how can I, how can I kind of, like, show off in front of her? Interesting. And, yeah. I'm sure that won't cause any problems whatsoever. Yeah, not at all, right? Not uh, at all. <laughs> uh, and then for Billy, I think she doesn't really miss a whole lot either because mm-hmm. she was already kind of prepared for this and she was off to a really good time at camp. Um, she was excited because she was surrounded by a whole lot of people that she never met or didn't know her you know, or went to school Mm -hmm. with or anything. And so she's very excited about that because she gets to be who she wants to be. And she doesn't have to worry about anyone like misgendering her or anything like that. And that's something that, you know, being who she is, she has, you know, kind of had to face that and struggle with that. Um, mm-hmm. as a, as a lot of, um, people do. And so she's, you know, I think she's a character who, if she misses anything, it's going to be normalcy. But I think again, like she's kind of already very excited to be in this position and surrounded by these people and being able to make a difference. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that Billy has a relatively positive outlook on yeah. uh, the whole situation. I mean, as much as you can, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, she's she's definitely a very positive character for the circumstances. And I think that's definitely something that's going to cause some friction um, within the group, especially when you have a character like Jules who just wants to get out and go home, right? Uh, and, you know, Jules is kind of very, very not into this. This is not easy for him. Mm-hmm. He's going to find out that he's, you know, maybe he kind of gets like blocked into the support role and. Maybe like he gets frustrated with it. Like I can do more than this. I can be more help than this. And there's definitely going to be some friction there with those kind of dynamics within them as a group, like Mm -hmm. figuring out roles and responsibilities. And while also giving people kind of the opportunity to try to do something more and succeed at something else. Right. Like, you know, anybody who does, like, a lot of, like, tabletop or online gaming, like, you know, like, when you go, like, into a dungeon, everybody kind of has, like, their role, right? And it's like, Mm -hmm. that's okay, but also, like, well, you know, maybe you're you're a barbarian and you don't want to tank. Maybe you want to try something a little different. Sure, you can't stealth, but maybe you want to, you know try to go out there and do something that is a little bit different than what you're always doing. And, you know, how do you succeed at that? How does, you know, if you fail at that, how does that affect kind of like the group dynamic? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but yeah, Billy is definitely a very positive kind of character compared to some of the other characters who just like want to go home. I think her mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Ash are maybe like, this is something good, but for different reasons, very different reasons. Like, yeah. Ash is just excited to, you know, be able to get into fights and have it like be, you know, not get in trouble for it more or less. Right. Whereas like Billy is excited to be able to, to do something good. And, you know, maybe kind of Kim and Ty are along for the ride and Jules is very much, you know, like kind of fighting it every chance he gets. I realize I'm not making any noise, but I'm just sitting here and nodding. (laughs) No, you're, you're, Totally fine. Um, I, again, I kind of hope that answers your question about that. Um, yeah. I, I go on tangents a lot and I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good. This is a, this is a good podcast for tangents. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, did you have anything that you wanted to touch on before uh, we go into the last question for tonight? I mean, no, I think, I, I think I've kind of touched on everything that I wanted to with this, this particular like group of characters. Okay. Uh, then in that case, then it's a good thing you mentioned uh, that you love these characters because, uh, Body, why do you love uh, Billy and the Wild Spark Champions so much? I think one of the biggest reasons I love it is growing up as a fan of something, whether it's Power Rangers or something else. I think mm-hmm. one of the kind of like inherent things you do as a kid being being a part of fandom like that is you start to come up with your own things. And I can tell you as a kid, like I was obviously making like my own power Rangers growing up and all this other stuff, you know, like I, I was very much like that kind of kid. And that said, like part of it, part of me liking this so much is, is just kind of that, that same kind of feeling you know, being able to put my own spin on something and kind of bring these, these different characters to life. And part of it too is I'm trying to kind of like get out of my comfort zone and write different characters than just like your typical stereotypical, like cis het white male. And I'm trying to kind of like get out of my comfort zone zone i guess and write more diversely because i think diversity and representation is very important as a creator it's something i'm very passionate about and i i love seeing different different things and learning more about different groups different cultures and everything and so that's that's kind of part of it too is trying to learn how to do that and do that you know obviously like the right way uh, because there are right and wrong ways to kind of like go about doing something like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's, it, that's kind of the other reason is it's like, I want to be able to like the wild spark champions kind of have a positive impact on things around me and make a difference. And, and, and that kind of thing. Like I want to do this book that's about these characters where everything kind of seems very hopeless a lot of the time and they are still out there fighting and Mm -hmm. trying to make the best of a bad situation. I definitely understand that. It is, (laughs) (laughs) 
it, it is a very important mission. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not something that everybody is tasked to do. You know, it is something that for a lot of people gets very much kind of thrust on them by circumstances and I guess for the lack of a better word, fate, uh, fate, you know, just being mm-hmm. put into that position, you know, to do something. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's why I love those characters <laughs> so much. Good, good reasons. Very good reasons. And I'm just over here vibing. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with vibing. <laughs> So thank you so much, Bobby, for coming on the podcast tonight to talk about uh, Billy and all of her team. I really enjoy getting to hear all about them. I was very pleased to be on. I'm I, I'm honored. Thank you so much for, for asking me. And I'm so glad I got, again, the chance to, to talk about these characters. And thank you. I'm Again, I'm very honored. I cannot stress that enough. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So now this is the part of the podcast where you get to let everyone know where you would like to be found on the internet. And do you have anything that you would like to shout out and or promote? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can be found. I am terminally online on Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, at Space King Bobby. Um, you can find me there. I also do um, a couple of my own podcasts, uh, The Wrestling Time Machine which can also be found on Twitter. We're also on Spotify now um, where we talk and riff old wrestling. And then the nerd Fict strangers podcast where mm-hmm. um, again, we can also be found on Twitter uh, if you just kind of like search those terms, but um, we're also on Spotify and on that particular show, we talk, you know, just kind of everything, nerdy comics, toys, movies, video games, current wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what I would like to plug and give a shout out to, um, those kind of things. And beyond that, I'm just, you know, in my free time when I'm not hyper focusing on some sort of video game or something else, I'm usually working on my comics and trying to get to a place financially where I can make those happen. Nice. Well, good luck. Thank you. I don't, I don't think that you will need it, but I'm going to say good luck anyway. <laughs> <laughs> The Hum for Reboot OCs is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be found through Acast and your local podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is Violet by Poddington Bear, courtesy of the Free Music Archives. We can be reached at waywardocpod at gmail.com or at waywardocpod on Twitter. This podcast is partly recorded on the ancestral lands of the Kiak Pui, Ka, Osage, and the Osheti Shukawan Oyate. Please, if I got the pronunciation wrong, please let me know. I am more than happy to correct my pronunciation. (laughs) If you'd like to talk about Wayward or the other Corner Podcast Network shows, we have our own Discord server. There should be a permit invite available on the Twitter accounts, but if it's not there, let us know and we can get you set up with the invite. And I am always looking for guests to talk about their original characters. So if you or someone you know might be interested in coming on the show, feel free to send me an email or I have a Google form, which is the pinned tweet on the Wayward Twitter account that just goes over basic questions like availability, a pitch for your character, that kind of a thing. And also, uh, I would really appreciate it if listeners could write a review of the podcast on your preferred uh, podcasting platform of choice. 
the hundredth an- the hundredth episode of Wayward is coming up in about a month and a half from time of release, and I think it would be nice to have. Please flatter me. Review my podcast. Tell me it's good. (laughs) (laughs) And as with all podcasts, it is always super helpful if you can subscribe and rate us on your listening platform of choice, because it helps us to find a wider audience and to brighten more people's days. So, thank you all for listening. This has been the Home for Rainbow Doses, and we hope you enjoyed your stay. Vehicle themes are are kind of cool, but eh, I don't know. Like, a giant truck is cool, but not as cool as, like, a giant robot dragon, right? (laughs) That's true. If if I was given the option to to pilot a giant, to pilot a giant bus or a giant triceratops into battle, I would choose the triceratops every time. Yeah, exactly. Hey everyone, Editing Christina here. This podcast episode was recorded before the Supreme Court's decision to reverse the Roe v. Wade landmark benchmark case. So in light of the current events that have happened since then, I wanted to take a moment to encourage everybody to first educate yourself on current situations and other perspectives Remember to center and uplift and amplify the perspectives and voices of people of marginalized genders and people of color. Second, if you can, donate to local bail funds in your area, donate to abortion funds, uh, directly to Planned Parenthood, Trans Lifeline, the ACLU, I suppose, uh, Land. Lambda Legal, local causes, especially those in your area. Uh, Third, if you can, I encourage you to protest and demonstrate in a way that is safe to you. There are plenty of resources out on the internet of best practices, I guess we'll call them. Uh, So please take a moment to educate yourselves on that before you go out and protest and demonstrate. Uh, Fourth, call your representatives make your voice heard. And fifth, please make sure that you are registered to vote and vote in your coming elections. I know voting doesn't feel like it does a whole lot sometimes, but it is a guaranteed right that we have for the most part, and so I encourage you all to uh, use it for good. Also, the AdLib friendly pod promo for this episode of Wayward is the podcast Queering Community Health. This is a podcast that is by the Shift MN organization, which is made by and for queer people centered in the upper Minnesota area. They actually do not seem to have social media. Their separate hosts are on Instagram. And I believe they may also be active on Facebook. So just wanted to give them a shout out. Uh, Take a listen if you feel so inclined. Thank you. Stay safe. Take care of each other. You'll hear us next time. (laughs)